the work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday's sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. Okay. (laughs) House lights down, welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem. I'm here with Jim. This is our second take of the day, so he's <laughs> laughing at me. But yeah, well, you had a good talk. But yeah. here, here we are. Here we are. Christmas season. It's December. We finally are in an Advent. Last week was a was a warm up. I mean, it's a warm up. Warm up for what? For Advent. Oh yeah. It was because it was. I thought it was supposed to be Advent, and or it should be Advent, and it's not. And yet, yeah, here we are. Yes. <laughs> One thing I've been meaning to say every year since we've been at Holy Trinity, I mm-hmm. feel like you should announce to the congregation like the intent behind Holy Trinity's approach to like decorations and Christmas because it is like different than like my approach to Christmas and decorations, but I feel like it's intentional on their part and it's just like another tradition. No? Okay. You don't sense that at all? Uh so I did introduce when I lit the candle, hey, this is what Advent means. This is why we do a candle. Are you saying... No, 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 no. Not ours. Like, mm. I, I think our lighting of Advent candles is is great. Yeah. I Maybe it's just because, like, my childhood memories of Christmas are, like, Southern Baptist and full of, like, what Holy Trinity does, like, on Christmas Eve. Like... Like the decorations oh, and the tree the and the le- lack the, of yeah the absence of like I don't know it's it's more that I I respect that perspective that mm-hmm. Advent perspective of like you don't you're waiting 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 for Christmas yeah. and then Christmas is there and then you have twelve days of celebrating and that like extends so it like to me it always feels weird because the Holy Trinity practices that twelve days of Christmas so they. They don't decorate, don't decorate, de- don't decorate. And then January, like, it takes them forever. Mm-hmm. For me, it feels like they're not putting things away. But again, it's, like, <laughs> intentional. Like, I don't know. It's just, like, a liturgical thing yeah. that um, it's just, it is, like, sociologically interesting to me how different aspects or different Christian denominations, like, kind of focus or tweak different parts yeah. But I don't know. Maybe you are just like, maybe you just assume like that's the way like we celebrate Christmas too. Like would, if we had a church building of our own, would we like not decorate until Christmas Eve? Things I've never thought of. But once Holy Trinity decorates their sanctuary on the Sunday that they've decorated, I will mention the different perspectives on decoration then as opposed to... Do you even care about decorating? (laughs) Do you care about the festivities of Christmas? No, I do care. But (laughs) what I don't care is before they decorate to point out on a Sunday why they haven't decorated. I mean, it's the... (laughs) (laughs) It's not like pointing out the like absence... I guess that would be a tricky wicket. No, I'm like actually saying like that's part of what you were relating to, like the the concept of your sermon this past Sunday. Mm-hmm. 
I think that that matches like what you were preaching on this Sunday matches or aligns with the practice of not celebrate like not having the festivities until the day okay before Christmas because there's a certain spirit of waiting that is more stark like mm-hmm. you were saying the dreary day outside yeah. today um and it and it is in stark contrast to Christmas being celebrated on November 1st I like all of that <laughs> but I will also admit that <laughs> I did not notice the decoration or lack of decoration at Holy Trinity. Yeah, your this past childhood Sunday. must have been so sad. <laughs> That's a different podcast. <laughs> I have so many sarcastic things to say, but I won't. It's like one of the pleasant things about growing up in Southern Baptist culture was like the like the the way Christmas burst upon the scene. Yeah. And like, I think that's, so yeah, I mean, we can go into that later, I guess, um, when talking about like when Christmas starts or introduction, but, um, yeah, anyway, I, yeah, all of this is topical. I don't feel like it's that meant that tangential, but let's jump in to call it a stormy Monday. Right. (laughs) Okay. Tell us about Advent. What what do you think about Advent? Why Why this sermon? Why this, why Isaiah? I'm excited about <laughs> Advent and uh, excited to jump into a sermon series about Isaiah. So when I was thinking about, it was actually from an elders meeting talking about what we might preach on during the four Sundays of Advent this year. I forget who it was. It may have been Clint that said, hey, what about the servant songs of Isaiah? I said, great. Be sad if you were getting that wrong. Let me. I mean, poor, poor elder who yeah, they'd, they'd, they'd gets be the wrong okay. They, they should need to write in me. if that's the case. Yeah, well, Otherwise, anything, go Clint. Yeah. The, I, and I said, yeah, let me look into it. I didn't realize until I did more research that it seems like there are four servant songs of Isaiah, huh. which matches the four Sundays of Advent. Classic. So I was confirmed in my plan numerology by, here yeah by 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 the four four passages and then isaiah 42 1 through 4 simply was the first of the four servant songs and i was eager to jump in and then connected to christmas to advent everything else and i'm sure that in the history of the church the four servant you're songs the of first isaiah one <laughs> have been done in, in Advent before. Uh, Yvonne, uh, as usual, made great uh, Christmas graphics for the sermon series based on Isaiah. They're, they're, they're probably, the stock graphics for the Isaiah Advent sermon series are probably out there too, but we intentionally did not go in that direction. Yeah, we go, make our stuff go local designers. It's a, yes. it's a shout out. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, as we approach as you approached Isaiah then, in the past or in contrast, what made Isaiah like fresh for you or what was the different spin mm-hmm. um, as a, compared to other Advent seasons? Yeah, so I've never preached on the servant songs of Isaiah specifically. And then I have done Isaiah before with different messianic passages so a root shall shoot forth from the stump of jesse the passage from handel's messiah wonderful counselor mighty god etc 
but not specifically the ooh, the servant songs and the servant songs connect with advent by way of the humility of jesus mm -hmm. and if i tried to draw upon some themes of advent slash december slash holidays sometimes being a sad season i was eager to mine some of those connections via the humility of the servant himself and that's going to be something that we'll talk about in subsequent weeks also but isaiah 41 starts off the behold my servant and spend some time and we can get in muddying the waters more about connecting context of israel with our own mm -hmm. but israel's not in great shape right now uh, on the brink of exile is how i put it on sunday and so there's corruption idolatry injustice evil at systemic and at, per and at personal levels but there are two beholds uh, at the end of isaiah 41 Behold, they, idols, are all a delusion. Their works are nothing. Their metal images are empty wind. But God has a different thing or being for us to behold, uh, namely his servant. Two verses in a row, two beholds. Behold, they are delusions, but then behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. So God has the servant who in some way is the solution to the plight of exilic Israel. And yeah, pretty easy enough to connect, behold my servant whom I uphold my chosen and whom my soul delights, I put my spirit upon him to move it forward to Jesus' baptism. And then plenty of chances to connect some of the sadness of the season when we see that the servant, a bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. Hmm. That's easy and enough for us to... Right. connect with and so yeah well, as we move in or we're talking through the presence of the lord the the passage um you jump to jesus but you did set it up um in your sermon mm -hmm. as like the servant being potentially different um alluding to different things or having different interpretations yeah kind of kind of the the two main questions there uh is the servant to be interpreted as an individual or collectively and then also is the servant messianic mm -hmm. i guess i alluded to it in the sermon and at one point i was going to say it's a little bit how <clears throat> the israel gaza palestinian war right now is very tricky and sensitive as it relates to people's different opinions about it mm -hmm. at least in an analogous way and the reason that i didn't make that connection is i didn't want to set people off sure on that direction on their own. Mm -hmm. mental space yeah. <clears throat> but Questions of Christian interpretation of the Hebrew scriptures right, are, are right, problematic right. in some sensitive ways as it relates to anti-Semitism, as it relates to <clears throat> the intention of the authors, uh, and this is long before the phrase was coined, but is it mere cultural appropriation for... Sure, so Jewish, audi Jewish audiences would absolutely not believe this as messianic or... Or they might, yeah. but it's not at least at least not Jesus. Right. If they do believe it. Yeah, I, I did mention in the sermon there are some strands of Jewish interpretation that do consider the so so I mentioned Qumran community uh, from whom the Dead Sea Scrolls come. So their their interpretation of these passages was that the servant is to be collectively interpreted and is messianic. Mm -hmm. So together the Qumran community was the messianic fulfillment 
collectively mm-hmm. of, of of the servants. So so you do have in Jewish interpretation sometimes individual, sometimes messianic, but if they believed that Jesus was the fulfillment of this, I mean they'd they'd be Christians. So the yeah, but and then persecution of Jews over time, Holocaust, all of that stuff we're aware of when when we come to interpret these things. And hopefully I didn't treat it flippantly, but it is simply the case that in Christian interpretation, overwhelmingly throughout the centuries, the servant passages have been interpreted through the light of Jesus fulfilling these passages. So I I don't believe I'm going out on a limb, but did want to communicate some sensitivity to, to those questions. And before we go to muddying the waters, I'm the other two other things to, to point out one along the line still of interpretive questions that I didn't spend a whole lot of time on. I eager eared, keen eared Helen wolves will notice or people in the room or watching online for the sermon. I skirted the question a little bit of when exactly this took place. Mm-hmm. So I, I said they're on the brink of exile. Uh, the Israelites, does that mean that ex, that Israel was about to go into exile, was being exiled after exile? And is this Israel? Is this Judah? The more critical interpretation, biblically speaking, of Isaiah, at least for the past couple hundred years, is that starting at Isaiah 40, that is sometimes called second Isaiah where Isaiah is at least two or three books put together where you have original Isaiah through the first 39 chapters but then maybe 200 years later you get a different author different context in the voice of Isaiah kind of continuing some of the prophetic themes but not by hmm. a single author at a single time mm-hmm. where, where I land on those things and this is why we have a podcast to go into a little more detail I think from a doctrine of scripture perspective, I feel compelled to say that Isaiah is one book uh, by one prophet. Uh, but I will allow that as you look at the internal evidence of, hey, what contexts does Isaiah 40 and following fit? It actually fits a post, arguably fits a later dating mm-hmm. um, but it's a long book. The, like the same person yeah, could have... Right, but but it's a long book. So I, I'm kind of of two minds. One, based on internal evidence, uh, maybe Isaiah stretches later, but then based on doctrine of scripture, I, I want to be careful to sure. not just open the door for the f- possibility that Isaiah was worked on forever by, mm-hmm. by, multiple, authors. by multiple authors. So I, I skirted those questions by saying... Isaiah or that Israel was on the brink of exile. Interpret okay. it, interpret it as you will. But but those are interesting questions, both as far as the history of textual transmission of Isaiah and doctrine of scripture stuff and interesting to text some. criticism <laughs> <laughs> to the Bible nerds among us. There we go. Of which I am no longer. One. <laughs> oh, you used to eat those questions up, baby. No, no. Um, not anymore. Old and jaded. Um, jaded's the wrong word for that. But old and just tired. <laughs> old. old and non-literate. <laughs> okay. 
let's move to Money Waters. <laughs> and you did set up the context for uh, the sermon pretty well in tying it to our current climate of Christmas season. Yeah. Life. And realistically, I do this every year to one extent or another. So I'm, I don't. Same old, same old. Yeah, it's, I'm I'm not discovering something new about the holiday season that nobody else has. Neither if is I observe, Charlie Brown. Right, exactly. <laughs> so if, if I observe, hey, wait a second, maybe not everybody's happy right now. And there's actually a lot of sadness built into the holiday season. So these are riffs that have been played many times over the year by preachers, including mm-hmm. me. But that doesn't make it any less real. So right. if you're dealing with darkness, disillusionment, dysfunction, blow-ups this holiday season, you're not alone. And it always does feel like it stands in contrast to like the bright and shiny and Starbucks, Starbucks, $7 drinks and (laughs) mall music. Yeah. I hate when mall music is playing downstairs on our stereo. (laughs) Landing upon the proper Christmas music in the anger household (laughs) has been a point of contention over the years. But, but after the kind of the final draft of the sermon was, was written, um, as as yeah. you know, our my niece died unexpectedly. She was thirty three years old on Friday, and it was not, it was not foul play or self harm or anything like that. So nobody's intention, but still, just another moment for me to remember and reflect upon the strain, the strange juxtaposition of happy and sad. Yeah, and even though I said during the sermon. For pastors, crisis clusters around the holiday. This is not a planned crisis, mm-hmm. but still, what a sad coincidence. Right. Happy all around. And within my extended family, again, there's tragedy around the holidays. It right. seems like it's that, that way. And it wasn't until a fairly later iteration of the sermon that I thought of the Charlie Brown Christmas tree that, mm-hmm. that it, yeah. it, it is yeah. it is properly symbolic of the holiday, which is why Charles Schultz right. and, you originally know, landed on the idea. And I even heard that it was plans were made to reference it later on with Liberty Children on Sunday evening. So. Yeah, actually, I, I skipped it, but no, <laughs> <laughs> we are going to we are going to watch Charlie Brown Christmas in at Liberty Bridge, uh, our fourth and fifth grade. Um, Liberty iteration, kids iteration, yeah. kids, tweens, teens, tweens, they're not teens. But part of that is because, like, I think that even children can struggle with the concept of, like, the bright and shiny, and they can be jealous of what friends are getting for Christmas. Um, they for can sure. um, struggle with their own materialism in their hearts and. So the idea that Charlie Brown Christmas, you know, exists and still resonates is is kind of partly that truth that Advent, the Advent message that you're talking about, um, Jesus being for the lowly, the sad, the broken, right, bruised, Reed and Wick. Um, yeah, it's true for kind of all of us. Yeah, and I wanted to make sure that I gave time to explore the image of. A bruised week he will not break and a faintly burning bruised reed he won't yeah. break and a faintly burning wick he, he won't quench yeah the basket thing was was a good illustration to be or i thought yeah so so that that was fresh from commentary work over the past couple of weeks that there's a exhaustion and extinguished dimension to these images 
but then also a useless dimension. Mm-hmm. And I think part of part of why we can be discouraged and one of the ways that we can think that we're done or beat ourselves up is to reflect upon how we're just not good for anything related to feeling useless. Yeah. Helping other people. And hopefully I said clearly enough that Jesus doesn't beat us up in in those places and he comes compassionately to us when yeah. we're in these when we're in these states. So striking images I think that create broad and deep ways in which we can connect emotionally and hopefully know the consolation of Jesus sure. in the midst of these things as well. And help us to extend out towards the the um meaning of Christmas that is for the outsider and not yeah. for not for the insider. Yeah, I didn't spend this speaking of earlier drafts of the sermon, I didn't spend as much time hitting on the justice aspect and justice is mentioned three times in this passage. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about it some more in subsequent weeks, how the humble servant is for justice. And one of the primary threads of a biblical vision of justice is that it's for making the world right as it's the outsiders that have been beaten up in different ways. But Jesus has come to correct those both personal and systemic trends. Good stuff. Anything else you want to hit sermon wise, muddying the water wise? I like it. (laughs) <laughs> okay bark band cover tunes we of course have charlie brown christmas yeah um the, the history behind that well t- two things there real quick baby the one angela who's been a helen wolf before has given me a book on my shelf right behind you as we're sitting in my home office recording about the theology of charlie brown nice so charles schultz was a was a committed christian and i've read a couple different places that there was pressure from the network. I think it was CBS that originally aired the Charlie Brown Christmas special. There was some network pressure to remove the explicitly Christian elements in the retelling mm-hmm. of the nativity story from Luke. No. Uh, but yeah. he put his foot down and said, no, this is important. And this is the engine yeah. that makes all the rest of the stuff work. So good job, Charles Schultz. I was thinking about Charlie Brown this week when Josiah was wearing a t-shirt of Charlie Brown running with the football wearing an <laughs> Eagles helmet, which is also perfect at so many levels. Apropos especially Sunday. to last day last Sunday's yeah. game. I don't need details, yeah, but I, know. I can only assume. Yeah, they won. <laughs> uh what other reference did you have? I wasn't uh, I didn't have a ton there was the Rebecca McLaughlin talking about how disillusionment is not a barrier to moving closer to Jesus in your faith, but in some, in some ways and sometimes it's the beginning of a journey towards Christ, dis- disillusionment. So if disillusionment captures some of the bruised reed, faintly burning wick mm-hmm. idea, you're nearer to Jesus than you might think because Jesus is nearer to you mentioned a review article of Elena Ferrante talking about how isn't it great how authors can carry our stories and give us a beginning and an end beyond what we're able to perceive in our own lives if not in life then in fiction the great thing about Jesus is it's not fiction mm-hmm. but it's yeah. Yeah. but but it's real so so what a good author will do in stories Jesus does truly in the story of our lives and in the story of our world the the other reference which was a throwaway i was going to ask you i think this is all i got for barman cover tunes did you catch the Mad Men reference i think i the, the lawnmower yeah <laughs> Woo! 
I did catch that. I did write that down. The office parties where everybody's drinking too much and people are riding lawnmowers. You love it. What a classic scene when the guy's legs are like It is pretty like, wait, what just happened? Yeah. There was... Do you mean the sermon or that episode? No, on Mad Men. Right. There was a survivor thing that happened last week, too, that, like, fans were like, wait, what just... They actually licensed the music for Top Gun and, like, had a video montage of, like, men being boys. Oh. And they, they, like, paid to license the music for Top Gun, which, like, Survivor has never done before. Huh, that's... That's hilarious. Well, that wouldn't have been the Top Gun theme. That would have been playing like a, with the boys. Yes. Uh-huh. Loggins and Messina. <laughs> no, just Kenny Loggins. Sorry. Uh, the, so the I didn't understand the reference because I didn't watch Top Gun, but like that's all the podcast could talk about. Playing, playing with the boys. Dun, 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 dun. Uh-huh. Oh, man. The beach volleyball scene. Yeah, basically. In my mind, I was there. I don't know how they talked to them. And, like Somebody with money was like, we got to do this, guys. <laughs> I don't know. So all the things CBS speaking of <laughs> would splurge on. I wonder how much I could Kenny pay Loggins. you to like put in a reference to something in a sermon. Can you be can you be bought out into something oh, yeah? that I said that I would, but then I I'm only remembering now that oh, I forgot. Maybe this week. Um, yeah, actually, that could be Sorry, a Helen Wolves challenge. You could like start paying Jim to like mention <laughs> things in the sermon. <laughs> how much could he be bought for? I'm expensive. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Okay. Any leftovers, stories behind the sermon? No. I, I did say last week that Angel Garcia was going to be up for the first time at Liberty Collins with this coming Sunday. It's probably going to be the Sunday after. Yep. So you're stuck with me again this Sunday, but more servant from Isaiah. Goodness, I hope. Sounds good how was it that was amazing thanks so much for joining us this has been the post sunday blues a preaching post-mortem production of liberty collingswood go ahead rate review and subscribe and you can find all things liberty collingswood at libertycollingswood.org no more post sunday blues here comes some pre-sunday happy (laughs) 